All right. Well, welcome back to day four of Ruby Remote Conf. Um, before we get started, I want to do a quick shout out to our sponsor, Hired.com. Um, if you're looking for a job or know someone else who is, have them go check them out at Hired.com slash Ruby Remote Conf. Um, they have uh, an auction where uh, companies from San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on developers and provide them with salary and equity up front. Uh, you can choose to interview with them or you can turn them down with any without any obligations. And But if you do sign up with a company through Hired.com, you get a $2,000 bonus. But if you use our link, you get a $4,000 bonus. So if you're looking for a job or you know someone else who is, uh, give them that link and have them go check it out. Um, our first talk is by Mike Moore. Um, Mike is a good friend of mine. Um, we don't live that far from each other. And uh, he is the organizer of the Mountain West Ruby Conference. Um, his talk is Writing Games with Ruby. And uh, Mike, go ahead and take it away. All right. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, I'm going to go ahead and switch this to QA mode. So if you have any questions, um, feel free to jump in. And I am going to disable my video because it's kind of creepy to me. So I'll see you at the end when there's Q&A. I guess, if it will let me, it will let me do it. All right. Um, so like Chuck said, uh, this presentation is writing games with Ruby. We're going to go through how to use uh, Ruby to make games. Um, if you we want can't to see along, your desktop or slides. Do you have slides or desktop? Now, what is going on? How's that? Is that any better? So uh, we are going to go uh, through writing games with Ruby. If you want to follow along, uh, gem install Gosu. Um, Gosu is a library that we are going to be using to make the games. It's going to take care of all of the hardware access for us. So uh, printing things to the screen, uh, playing music, um, playing sounds, taking input from the user. It's all going to go through Gosu. Gosu is a, a wonderful little library, um, a very minimalistic library for taking care of all of those concerns. Um, it's a great fit for Ruby. Um, and if you want to follow along with the code examples, um, I've got all of the code that we're going to be going through um, up on this GitHub repo. Um, so that's uh, Blomage, Writing Games, Ruby Remote. Um, you can follow along commit by commit. There's about 25 or so commits uh, for each change that we're going to make throughout this process of, of writing this game. Um, or of going through and exploring the concepts of writing games within Ruby. So uh, pull down that repo um, and you can follow along or just you know open up your editor and follow along with me because uh, it'll be pretty fun. Um, this is me. If you've uh, maybe seen uh, me online, this is the picture I use. My name is Mike Moore. I go by the handle Blomage. Um, some people call it Blomage. It doesn't really matter. Um, it's available everywhere. So uh, it's kind of my default handle. Um, I do have a secret to share with you. And that secret is uh, very, very impressive here. That writing games is totally fun, right? Mind-blowing, I know. Um, why do I think that writing games is so much fun? I think writing games is so much fun because I get to use Ruby. And Ruby is, by definition, super awesome fun. So like I said, we're going to use Gosu. You can find more information about Gosu at the libgosu website. Um, that is, oh, I missed my yeah, shortcut here. That's at this website. Um, it's written in C++, but it was written specifically for Ruby. So you can continue to use Gosu um, with C++, but the uh, object model and everything is really geared around uh, Ruby as a first-class consumer of it. Um, there are some um, games that have shipped on platforms like the iPhone, 
that use GOSU uh, with C++, um, but you can also just uh, use it with first-class Ruby bindings. The documentation is right here, and we'll be uh, taking a look at this information um, as we go through. So I'm going to quickly open it up to the window class, because that's the main class. We're going to get to that. Um, keyboard shortcuts are all messed up. All right, so uh, installing it is really easy. It's a gem, gem install GOSU. Uh, you may need to sudo install it because it needs to install some system resources. If you're on Mac, you also um, will probably need to uh, brew install the SDL library, specifically SDL2, um, because that is uh, a dependency on modern GOSU. If you install an older version of GOSU, like 7.5, uh, you'll use the SDL that ships with uh, Mac, but um, you can always uh, update SDL to SDL2 on the Mac and use the, the current versions of GOSU. It's cross-platform. It runs on Linux. It runs on Windows. Um, like I said, pretty great. So um, what um, actually is possible with, with GOSU? Well, GOSU can make lots of different types of games possible. I'm going to uh, switch over here to um, my console, and I'm going to go to my GOSU install. And if you uh, clone their Git repo, you'll see a directory that looks an awful lot like this. Um, there's also a, in here, there's an examples directory. So let's go there. And if you can look at all of the example games that ship with GOSU, the uh, illustrate you know different aspects of how you work with GOSU from getting input, um, from dealing with network um, and OpenGL integration, all that type of stuff. The one that I'm really interested in, in here is Captain Ruby. So um, playing that, oops, running that is really easy. It's just Ruby. I can type Captain Ruby .rb. Um, so here you see, here's this game. If you press the up arrow, he will jump. Um, if you go left or right, your character here will move. You can move and jump at the same time. Oh, and then you can also fall. And uh, the controls here are, are pretty challenging, actually. Um, so I never do very well at this game. But uh, this game is about 200 lines of Ruby code. Um, the levels are defined as a text file, and so it's really, really easy to, uh, to edit and hack and, and change to be what you want it to be. So that's Captain Ruby. There are some other examples. Um, feel that. Uh, so that's Captain Ruby. Um, I've written a couple of different gems myself that use GOSU. Uh, one of them is called Little Brat. Uh, I, wrote, I wrote this originally for my kids. Uh, when they were younger, um, they wanted to sit on my lap and uh, type on the computer just like dad. So I got a little uh, nine inch netbook and I, I wrote this little gem um, intended to be running on, on Linux, on the, the netbook. Um, but, okay. Gem install little brat. Uh, but it's a it's a keyboard smasher, and what it does is it allows you to um, to hit keys, and uh, it will. You know, that is not good. Sorry, I changed my system around and I must have lost that. Um, there are a bunch of different examples. Uh, what we'll do is we'll come back to this at the very end and kind of show uh, the different games that, that you can run. I apologize for not having that. This is one of the problems uh, with GOSU is sometimes it has a hard time in Falling. Um, I'm not entirely sure uh, why I've got that. So, anyways, we'll punt on that and we'll come back and, and talk about that a little bit later. 
Um, so there's a bunch of different games that we have. Um, I, I wrote another game called Escape to RubyConf, um, which uh, hopefully we'll be able to show at the end. I also have another game called Ruby Hop um, that is pretty fun and I thought worked. Let's see if I have that installed. Yeah, here we go. I'm going to switch to the, I'm going to switch input so you can hear it. So um, RubyHop is uh, an attempt at uh, like a Flappy Bird clone. Um, and that, again, is about 200 lines of code. Um, it's, it's really not that much to, to understand. Um, there's lots of different types of games that are possible. Um, there's a, uh, a competition called Load'em Dare, where you build a game in 48 hours um, from scratch. So uh, you build all your art assets, you build all your code within that 48 hours. Ghost is a great option for, for that. Lots of Rubyists uh, compete and let them there. Um, and uh, there are a lot of different types of games that have come out of the GoSu community um, because, you know, they're trying to be very creative. So, um, all right, let's go ahead and start. All right, so I think the first question most people get is like, how do you write games in Ruby? Like, where do you start? Um, what, what do you need to know in order to make these things happen on your computer? Uh, the first concept we're going to talk about is the game loop. Um, the game loop is the thing that um, all games have. Um, it's very similar to like Windows event loop, if you're familiar with that. Um, and just very simply what it is, it's a loop that runs continually, continually within your game. Um, it will notify you when certain things happen. Um, Every time through the game loop, it will um, call update. It'll let you know that it's time to update your game. Um, so you're going to make little micro changes to your game um, you know, every time through the game loop. And then it's going to draw your game. So you're, it's going to give you, um, prompt you to paint to the screen. It's also going to let you, let you know when input happens. Whenever a player uh, presses a button or depresses a button, it will let you know that all that happens within the game loop. Um, this is the thing that GoSu brings. Um, it's written in C++. It's uh, cross-platform so that you can use this abstraction for your system on, uh, on all these different platforms. GoSu implements this game loop within a window class. And so there's a bunch of different concepts. There's not a lot. Um, it's actually um, a much smaller set of concepts than a lot of different game libraries, which is one of the reasons I like GoSu so much is because it's very minimalistic. Um, basically, what GoSu gives you is it gives you a window class, gives you an image class, and then uh, sample and song. We're going to talk about these classes uh, first. There are a handful of others, but this is really all you need to know to really do to make a, a complete game, and that's what we're going to start with. The window is where that game loop is implemented within GoSu. So we're going to create a window instance, and that's going to be running our game loop. So uh, let's go ahead and look at uh, window. Um, if we come over here to our browser, this is again the documentation for GoSu. Um, you can see GoSu window has um, a handful of, of methods. Um, it's really not that much. Apologize for, for scrolling, probably didn't see that. Um, this is everything that we need to know to create a window. So let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to uh, create a new directory. Call it hello world. Okay. Oh, looks like it already exists. All right, so let's go ahead and let's start over. Let's pretend that we don't have this code here. So we're going to create a new hello world.rb file. Okay. And uh, the first thing we want to do is we want to require GoSu. Right, that's the thing that we need to do in order to get it. We're going to create a new class 
called a Hello World Game, and it is going to inherit from Gosu window. Okay. Um, the other thing we need to do is uh, we need to create a new instance of Hello World Game, and we need to call show on that. Okay. So let's go ahead and see if this works. Let's just go ahead and run uh, Ruby Hello World rb and see what we get all right we've got um wrong number of arguments and initialized so let's go ahead and take a look back at what our um, initialize method takes on uh on our window and here we go here we have uh initialize right here it takes a width a height and then a full screen uh, option and then also an update interval. Uh, so let's go ahead and provide that. The way I like to provide this information is I like to define an initialize method and then I'm going to take a width um, and then height 800, 600 and then full screen equals false. And then inside, I'm just going to call super. If you call super without the parentheses, without the arguments, it will inherit whatever arguments were given to the initialize method. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. This allows me one simple place to change like the, the screen, the size of my window. Let's go ahead and call this again. And here we go. We've got a window, um, and it doesn't do anything for us yet. We want a whole world game. So let's go ahead and make a whole world game. One of the things we can do is uh, we can use uh, caption and we can set the caption on the window. Let's go ahead and run that, run our game again. And as you can see up here in the menu bar, it says, hello, Ruby remote. Okay. Um, one of the things I don't like about this example is that if I hit escape, I can't really close it. I have to click the close button, and that's kind of hard, uh, especially when we've got a lot of other stuff going on. So what I want to do is I want to define that button down method um, that we saw before in the game loop illustration. And I want to uh, just call close if I press down the escape. So if the ID, which is the argument given to the button down, equals go to keyboard escape okay I want I just want to close let's go ahead and run that and then now if I hit escape it closes so this is good this is kind of what I want this will make our demos a lot easier because I can uh, bring them up and, and close them down a lot faster now if we run this we've got hello world it's up here in the caption I don't like this as much I would like this to go away I want hello world actually within the window of our game so let's go ahead and, um, and make that happen. So what I want to do is instead of having this caption, I'm going to create an image instance variable, and I want just a text image. Now, I could open up Photoshop. I could create a, a new image that said what I want it to say, but we can actually have Gosu do that for us. Um, there's a method on image that will create a new image from text. So Let's call Gosu image from text. Now, from text is going to take a bunch of different arguments. Let's move back over here to our uh, our documentation. Let's go look at the image class. As you can see, here's from text. It is going to take the text, the line, and then the options. So um, I'm seeing something I didn't expect. Well, let's go and try this. So we'll say, hello, Ruby remote. Okay, that was the text. And then we need a font. Oh, line height and options. Hmm. Let's try it. Um, let's say 100 and let's see what we get. 
down here, what we're going to do is we're going to define a draw method, and we're just going to say image, oops, or image variable, we're going to draw, and we're going to say, uh, let's just draw it and give it zeros. We'll talk about what this means in a second. Yeah, I don't think that would work. I think that the documentation was wrong. I was looking at the wrong thing. Um, so what we actually need to do is give it a couple more values. Um, we need to give it a font to use. Default font name. And size. Let's see if this works. There we go. Uh, hello, Ruby Remote. Um, so there's our hello world. We can, uh, we're drawing this text uh, on the screen. We can continue to have the caption. Uh, self caption. Yeah, there we go. So our caption is still there, but we, now we've got an image in here. Um, so this is great. So we've got our hello world out of the way. Um, it works. Um, let's talk about, let's make this a little more interesting. Um, I would like this hello world uh, text to do something, to be a little more interesting, not just sit there. Um, well, actually, the first thing I want is I want to make that um, centered on the window. So let's, let's figure out how to make that centered on the window. Um, Let's make this a little bit smaller so it makes the demo a little bit easier. So um, let's talk about what these coordinates here are doing for us. Um, this is our X, Y, and Z coordinate. If you've done any web programming, you're familiar with CSS, this is the, the same thing. Um, this is just you know, where we want it positioned on our, our window. If we take a look um, here, uh, this is our, our window here. Uh, our coordinates in the upper left-hand corner are 0, 0. So x is 0, y is 0 in the upper left-hand corner. The bottom right-hand corner is our full height and our full width. So since we have an 800 by 600 window, if we want our image to be in the very center, then we need to take, we need to use 400 and 300, right? That's the same as height divided by 2 and width divided by 2. So let's go ahead and do that. Um, like I said, we can go ahead and just say 400 and 300 and then 0 for our Z index, which is how uh, forward, how close to the uh, player that image is going to be drawn. Um, if we run that, now our image is clipped off of the side. Uh, it's, not, it's not all contained within our window. That's because um, right here in the very center of the window is where that that point is as getting drawn, right? So um, we can go ahead and change that. Let's say like let's get that center point and then just move it back by the uh, image dot width, right? And then do the same thing. Get that center point and then subtract the image dot height. Okay. Let's see if that works. That doesn't work again. Now we've just moved the image. Um, now the, the, the bottom right point of the image is centered, but the image isn't centered. So uh, the way we can get around that is just dividing by two. If we take the image width and divide it by two, and the image height and divide it by two, and we're using that center point on the screen, there we go. Now we're centered, right? Now we, now we got that image centered. Um, this brings up a really important part about um, about writing games in Ruby is that math is involved, right? Um, and that's kind of a bummer sometimes because you know here you are, you're having a party, you're having a good time, and all of a sudden math shows up, right? And you're like, ah, I thought I was done with you in, in school, but uh, math is back. Um, math is here to stay and is an important part of making games. Um, it doesn't have to be super complicated, but there is definitely some calculations involved. So what do we do to try and, uh, and, and get around this? It's just 
you know, it's something that we have to we have to account for, which you have to be aware of. All right. Um, we're doing calculations. One of the things that I would rather do is I would rather make calculations here within um, within uh, the update method instead of the draw method. The draw method is intended to be used just to, to print things to the screen. Um, if we're going to do any sort of calculations, I'd rather have that happen in the update method to make use of the uh, of the, the game loop. Uh, this is important when we've got a lot more complicated things going on in the game loop. So I'm just going to create an x variable, right? And I'm going to set it to uh, that 400 minus the image width. And I'm going to make a y variable and set it to that. And then we've also got like a z. That's going to be zero. Um, this 400 is kind of a magic variable. This is the same thing as uh, width divided by two. And this 600, this 300 is the same as height divided by two. Okay. So then when we draw, we can just say at x, at y, and at z. And hopefully this doesn't change. Let's go ahead and run it again. Okay, so we're still good. So what we're doing is we're trying to make you know proper use of the game loop. Uh, again, the game loop uh, has a bunch of different callback methods that's going to call for us every time we go through the game loop. It's going to call update. It's going to call draw. It's going to let us know whenever a button is pushed or whether a button is depressed. Um, let's make this game a little more interesting. It's not really doing anything. It's just sitting there. It's very static. So uh, let's go ahead and make this uh, this image, this hello image. Let's make it move a little bit. So one of the things we can do is now that we've got our, our center point for x, um, let's go ahead and um, and modify it just a little bit. You know, we could be really uh, be really trollish here and then just give it like offset it by a random value. Uh, what that's going to do is it's going to make it jump around and be really chaotic and that's kind of not very nice. Uh, one thing we can do to make it a little softer, a little smoother, is we can use our math information and we can give it a sine wave. So uh, we will do that is we call sine on our math constant and we give it time.now.2f. That will um, turn time into a float, call sine on that float, and then we can exaggerate that a little bit, I think maybe by 100. Uh, if we run that, now what we've got is uh, every time the game loop goes through a loop, we're going to modify that position just a little bit. Um, what that does is it moves that image on the screen back and forth ever so slightly. All right. Um, we can also make it go up and down, and that's with the uh, the y. So we'll say y. Uh, let's do cosine this time of time dot now to float. And let's multiply that times 200. Okay. And now we've got this sort of elliptical kind of uh, uh, movement going on here because we're using two different waves. The cosine wave is modifying our, our uh, y coordinate, our up and down coordinate, and our sine wave is modifying our x coordinate. So we can change this. Let's change this from, that, from cosine to tangent. And we have tangents. I have a good idea what's going to happen. It's just going to drop completely off and go back up. Okay. So this is how we create the illusion of movement within within games. Uh, the game runs a loop. Um, that loop will is usually fixed to uh, like 30 frames a second or 60 frames a second. Um, some games will run as many frames a second as they can. Other games try and run it in, in fixed. Gosu uh, runs a fixed game loop, so uh, you can configure that. By default, it's once every 60, frame, once 60 frames per second. Uh, but it will update the screen just like a movie um, to create that illusion of movement. Okay. All right. So now that we've uh, conquered our math, uh, it's not so scary. Uh, we want to actually. We want to see things and we want to hear things. It'd be nice to, to hear them as well. 
So let's do that. Um, now I don't have my sound, so. I'm not finding it. There we go. I'm gonna get get a uh, a waveform. This is a sound file. I'm just gonna drop it over here in my project. Okay. So uh, what we'll do is we want to create a new um, a new sound object, and we'll do that by calling gosu sound dot new, and we're going to pass in self and create dot wave. Let's go ahead and just make sure that this works. Sorry, it's not sound, it's sample. All right. Did I not spell it correctly? Let's make sure that I got the right name. And then let's go ahead and change into that directory. Okay, here we go. Um, so now I've got this new sound object, but I'm not really doing anything with it. Um, let's go ahead and change that. Let's say that every time we press the X button, we want to go ahead and play that sound. So what we'll do is we'll say um, sound.play if ID equals goes to keyboard X. I'm going to switch the audio input so that you can hopefully hear what this is going to do. All right. So every time I press the X key, hopefully you heard that that sound. Um, that's a sound. Uh, sound. There's two different classes for uh, for dealing with um, with audio. There's the sample, which we just did here, and then there's also a song object, and they're they're just slightly different. There's different. There's they serve different purposes. The sample object is intended to um, be played over and over and over again. Maybe it's uh, some sort of effect sound. You know, every time uh, a character walks or something, you're going to play the footsteps sound. Um, maybe you can have lots of these different samples playing at the same time. So it's intended to um, to have multiple times um, to play them multiple times. A song object, on the other hand, is more intended for background uh, music, and so it's going to use different set of system resources, and that's why there's a difference there. Um, I don't know. I don't have any MP3s. There you go. Here's a Code Monkey Saves the World. Let's pull in like a Skull Crusher song. So we've got our sound. Let's go ahead and create a song. That's going to be a Gosu song object. We're going to pass in self, and then pressure.mp3. And then uh, when we create our game, we're just going to go ahead and call song.play. As it's going to, it's going to always be playing. So let's go ahead and switch our audio and hopefully you can hear this again.
so that's how we uh, that's how we play songs um, in the background. We usually do it when we initialize our game. Uh, we could actually here in our input, we could call song.pause um, if the ID equals uh, like maybe go to keyboard space. Um, so we, we can affect, we, since we have this object, we can affect it, we can call methods on it. Um, but that's how it's intended to be. So uh, what we've shown so far, uh, real quick here, in about a half hour is we can create a, um, a window, we can draw images to that window, um, we can uh, take input from the user, and we can play audio as well. So we've got visuals, audio, um, and input. Um, this is the, the basis of creating a game. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's, let's change um, our example. Let's, let's create a sprite. Let's go to our, uh, our slides as well. All right, so we talked about song and sample. Um, hopefully, what you came away with is that this was easy. Um, and it's actually really, really fun. Um, it's really great to be able to, to change a couple lines of code and affect what the screen is doing. Um, I like it. The feedback loop is really, really tight. Um, and I really enjoy this. So hopefully, you enjoy it as well. Um, there's one thing that you may have heard, a term you may have heard from different game developers or just from uh, people who enjoy games. And that term is sprite. Um, and what is a sprite? Uh, a sprite is just a, a region of the screen that is going to be you know, updated. It's usually a character. Um, it could be like a background image if you, or uh, if you've got a, a tree that you know, waves in the wind or something. Um, that's all going to be controlled by this concept of a sprite. Um, but it's just a, a small piece that renders um, something to the screen. And you can add some behavior to that. So there's not a sprite class that comes out of the box within Gosu, but we're going to create one ourselves. There's another term within uh, this kind of world when dealing with sprites, and that term is a sprite sheet. And a sprite sheet is an image that contains a series of smaller images. And this sprite sheet, when, go when gone through sequentially, shows an animation cycle for my little uh, Super Ruby character here, right? Um, and so he's going he's gonna to start on the upper left-hand corner and then move right and then down row by row. Um, and uh, this character then just kind of moves his feet, uh, moves his arms, flaps his arms a little bit, and, uh, and go ahead and walks across the screen. So let's go ahead and build that. Again, Ghostu doesn't have this out of the box, but it's pretty easy um, to create. So we're going to come in here. Um, we're going to create a new file. Um, call it uh, spritegame.rb. And we're going to go through the exact same step that we went through on, the, on our first Hello World game. Uh, we're going to require Gosu. Um, we're going to create a class um, that's called Sprite Game. It's going to inherit from Gosu window. Oh man, typing in front of people is not my strong suit. Okay. Um, after we've created or defined our class, we're going to create a new instance of it and call show on it. Um, we need an initializer. That's going to take a width of 800, a height of 600, and a full screen of false. I'll super on that. Uh, we're going to create a update method, and we're going to create a draw method. Okay. Um, and then we're also going to create that button down method, and we're going to close if that is escaped. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and run this game. And all right, so our, our boilerplate here um, is correct. Um, so what we want to do is we want to create this little character. We want to um, to paint him to the screen. 
Um, to do that, let's go ahead and create a, a sprite class. Um, and one of the things that, uh, uh, one of the concerns that you, you might have seen in our Hello World example here is that whenever we call Gosu image or sample or song, we're always passing in self. Um, that's because one of the, the things about Gosu is that there can only be one instance of the Gosu window created. Right now, that's going to be our sprite game. Um, in order to draw to the screen or to play audio, to the system, we need to have a handle to that window object. So whenever we create this new, a new instance of the sprite class, we need to pass in that window object as well. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, create an initializer that's gonna take a window. And we're just gonna go ahead and save that in an instance variable. Okay. Um, I'm also going to call a, uh, I'm going to create an update method similar to what we have on our window. And I'm going to update a, I'm going to create a draw method also similar to our window draw. And the reason for that is what I eventually want to happen is I want to create a sprite by passing in self. And then whenever the window updates, whenever the game loop updates, I just want to call um, update on our sprite. And then whenever our, our game loop calls draw, I want to call draw on our sprite. Now we could be passing in window to the update and draw, but I prefer to do it here in our, uh, in our constructor. All right, so um, now we've got this, uh, this container. This is really no different than what we had before when we have an image, um, but we can go ahead and, uh, and, and let's, Let's uh, take this image here and just draw this instead. Okay. So uh, what we'll do is we'll get our image. That'll be a gosu image.new uh, call from window. And so player.png. Um, on update, we're not really going to do anything, but on draw, we're going to say image.draw. Let's just give it the zero coordinates for now and see if we can get this to run. Right, there it is. So what we've done is we've created a sprite class uh, within our game uh, loop window object. We are instantiating that sprite uh, object. And, uh, and now you know, we're calling uh, update and we're calling draw on it. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't really respond to, uh, to changes, however. But we can hit escape and close it. So we're, we're moving forward. Um, one of the things I would really love to do is I would love to be able to move our character um, back and forth. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and create x, which is going to be um, window.width divided by 2, and y, which is going to be uh, window.height divided by 2. And then um, just so that we're right in the center again. And then on update, um, I want it to move. Now, one of the things we're doing on our window is whenever we, we push down on a button, we're going to move it. Um, so there's a couple of things, ways we could do. We could create some new methods here on Sprite, like a def uh, move left, right? Which will just take um, our x and you know subtract 5 from that position. Um, same thing, we can create a, a move right which will uh, move it to the right here. Um, and then on button down, right, we could say um, sprite.move left if we're pressing the left key. Um, and same thing, we could say we're going to move right if, if we're going to move right. So if we do it this way, hmm. I'm find this window, right game 31. 
Oh, sorry. So now if we move left to right, it's not really moving anything. Why is that? Oh, we're not using our new coordinates. All right, let's try this one more time. So now if I press my left or right, it's not really moving. Oh. We're not looking for that ID argument, not doing the comparison correctly. All right. So there you go. So now every time I click left or I click right, um, the character is going to move. But if I press and hold, um, it doesn't move every game loop, it only moves every time the button is pressed. And, and that's not as good. So a couple of things I'd like to change. One, I'd like to get the character to be actually in the very center of the screen. And two, I'd like to be able to just press and hold and have it update. So uh, what we can do is uh, we'll take that, um, that X and Y coordinate and we'll do the same thing. We'll decorate it by the image.width divided by two and image.height divided by two. That will get us in the center, okay? And then instead of, instead of uh, doing it on button down, I think we should check with an update. So I'm just gonna get rid of this code here. Um, on update, what I think we should do, uh, there's actually um, another method on our window object. We can check to see if a button is pressed, right? So we can say move left if window button down and then pass it or go to keyboard left. Okay. Um, same thing, we can move right if we're moving right. Go ahead and see if that works. There we go. So now, as I press and hold, the character moves. I don't have to, to press each individual time. The game loop is going to take care of uh, checking if the button is, is pressed um, and do it that way. So we're not, we're not so much caring about when the button is pressed down. It's just every time through the game loop, we're looking for if the, the image is pressed or if the button is, is pressed. All right. Um, all right, there you go. So the other thing I would really love to do here is I would love to have that image um, kind of rotate. So if we're moving left, uh, I'd like the character to face left. Or if moving right, I'd like the, the, uh, the uh, character to face right. So um, let's just make a direction. We'll make that right at the moment. Um, so here, whenever we're going to move left, we're going to set that direction equals left. Otherwise, when we move right, it's going to be right. Um, and now, here in our draw method, we can say if, if direction equals right, then let's just go ahead and draw it as normal. Else, we want to flip the image in some way. Right? So, um, if we run this right now, we're not really doing anything. We do this now. Uh, we're not doing anything when we go left. So when I go left, he disappears, or the character disappears. Um, and when I push right, the character appears. That's because the character is not being drawn when facing left. We need to figure out how to make this uh, character face the other way. Um, and we can do that by manipulating the image. Let's go back to our, um, our class. Let's look at image. Let's look at the draw method. There is a, a bunch of arguments that we're not using. We've got our x and y and our z. We've also got scale x and scale y. Also a color argument and then a mode. Um, the things we want, we're going to look at here are the scale x and scale y. 
what this is going to do for us is uh, we can scale that image. So if we just take this um, and when we're facing left, let's just give it a uh, like a two and a two, okay? Um, and then run it. When we go right, that's we get the movement we expect. When we go left, our character is suddenly twice as big. And so that these numbers reflect how this image is going to be manipulated. One of the things we can do is um, we can pass it a negative one for our x value. And what this will do is it will actually flip and mirror the image for us. So now when we move right, we're correct. When we go left, that image is going to be flipped on that, um, that origin axis, um, which gives them kind of like a, a hopping movement. Get rid of that, one of the things we can do is we can take that x coordinate and then we can um, add the image.width value to it. And so that way, whenever the character moves left, is not flipping on that axis, character is just uh, turning the other way. Okay? So this is a, a little trick that we can use using the same image, uh, mirroring it, and having it face both ways. Um, this is good. What we'd really like to do, though, is we'd really like to use this uh, movement sprite sheet uh, to do that for us. Um, unfortunately, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely, uh, we don't have the time for that. So I'm just going to go ahead and open up this other file, and we'll kind of look at, at what that looks like. Um, here, what we've got is we've got two different image images here. One is we're going to load this idle sprite sheet, which uh, is when the character is not moving. The other is this moving sprite sheet. Um, and so, uh, so now we're going to keep track of not only the direction that they're moving, so direction right, but we're also keeping track of moving, which is going to be true or false. Um, and so when we call update, we're going to see we're going to set it to moving as false. If we're pressing a button, we're going to go ahead and flip that moving to be true. Um, if we're pressing left, we're going to go left. If we're pressing right, we're going to go right. And then when we draw, we're going to pull out um, the, uh, the frame that we're going to draw. Um, and then we're either going to draw it right or we're going to draw it left. And uh, there you go. So let's go ahead and show how that looks. So here's our character. Here's the idle animation. When we press and hold right, he's going to move. Press and hold left, the character is going to move left. Uh, the character's direction is being flipped, uh, being rotated, mirrored, uh, left and right. It's the same sprite sheet moving left and right. Uh, other games, they can potentially have a different move left animation versus a move right animation. Um, but there you go. So here is uh, you know, a very simple sprite class. Uh, that we are instantiating. If we look here at the, the game, the game really hasn't changed at all. It's our same game. We're creating our game. Uh, we have our initialize. We create the sprite. We're going to close on, a, on button down, escape. We update the sprite every time the game loop updates, and we draw the sprite every time the game loop draws. Um, and that's it. So from a game uh, development perspective, our window is very simple. A lot of the, the complexity of the logic is encapsulated within our game objects. And that's what a sprite gives us. There are a lot of other options as well, um, which we are unfortunately not going to be able to get to. Um, let's go back to our slides. Uh, there's an, uh, an effect called parallax, which is really fun as well. Um, let's go ahead and show that demo. So um, here is our same uh, sprite class that we were working on earlier. Um, and what we have is we have two different background images. And those images are going to move at slightly different speeds along with our image. That's going to give the illusion of depth. And so here, this character is on an airport tarmac moving right or left, moves the two different images in two different speeds. And that gives the illusion of depth. Right? This is a, a very 2D kind of style of approach. The thing that I really want to call out here is that um, I think this looks 
pretty well. Again, this is developer artwork, um, but this is a pretty smooth running game. Uh, you know, it's not very interesting yet, uh, but all of the, the bones are there. Everything that we need in order to create a really compelling experience for players is, is right here within uh, this Go Through library. And all it takes is a um, very minimal amount of, of effort from the developer standpoint to put all these pieces together. So uh, the thing I'd like to end on here is that if you're, um, if you're at a conference or if you're at a, a user group meeting or you're at a hack fest, uh, take time, write a game, um, and have lots and lots of fun. Uh, you know, I love Ruby, I love the Ruby community. Um, I love uh, just, you know, writing code and writing games and making fun games is, is a terrific way to, uh, to spend your time to, to learn more about programming and also to, uh, to have a great experience with other people. So uh, thank you very much, my time is up. Uh, my name is Mike Moore, um, I am Blomage Online. And I guess if you have any questions, I can take them until uh, everything is gone. Chuck, what do I do? <laughs> we, we've got about two minutes. All right. Any questions? People are typing furiously. <laughs> How would you compare okay. Ghost to some of the other game engines like Coco2D and Unity? Um, the Ghost is much more minimal. Uh, compared to a lot of the other ones. Uh, uh, I, I prefer it, actually. I don't really, um, I enjoy creating my own sprite classes. I don't want uh, to take someone else's uh, approach to that. So um, I, for me, it, this is a, all about experimentation and creativity. And so by having a minimalistic library, it gives me more opportunity to create different abstractions. Um, but it's a Ruby library, and so you're kind of constrained to where you can run Ruby. There are ways of packaging up a Ruby executable and all of your code um, into, uh, you know, a, an app that can be downloaded on Mac and Windows and Linux. And so you can actually, you know, have people install apps that are written in Ruby that will play games. Um, but, you know, it just, it doesn't give you quite the performance um, as the other libraries, but it, the conceptually, it's, it's a lot higher level uh, concepts, and so you're not dealing with the details as much. Um, let me scroll. Do you typically need to mess with tick speed in update methods? Uh, no, I, I don't. Um, the the Gosu library, the Gosu uh, window object will call update and draw for you, so you just respond to that. So it's using the callback method. Uh, one of the things you could do in update is take the current time and store that in an instance variable, so that way all of your calculations are using the exact same time value. Um, but uh, but I, I don't I don't really have a need for that very often. Right, one last question: uh, Realistically, how much of a performance hit do you see from using Ruby to implement the logic? At least in your experience. Obviously, this is dependent on the game. Right. So um, if you look at like Ruby Hop, um, you're not going to hear the audio because it's going through my my speakers. Um, and open up Activity Monitor. I'm running a four-year-old computer, um, four and a half-year-old actually. So let's see, Ruby. My CPU running this game is six percent, three percent. So it's really performant. I don't see a lot of drop frames very often. Um, you know, obviously, the more your game does, the more um, uh, resources you need to consume, um, the more you're going to be paid at, you know, Ruby runtime penalty. But um, there are a lot of really sophisticated games written in Ruby that perform really great on current hardware. So um, unless you're, you know, doing the new Doom, um, you know, you can write a lot, especially the independent games. You're going to do a game all by yourself or with a very small team. I think you can get an awful long way. Uh, using uh, Gosu, and you've got OpenGL access and everything else if you want to do 3D as well. So, okay. Thank you very much for letting me present, Chuck. I appreciate it. And if you have any questions, um, get at me on uh, Twitter or online, and we're always happy to pair with people and uh, make more games. Let's have more fun. All right. Thanks, Mike. Um, we're going to disappear now for a
minute or two while we get Dave set up, and then we'll hear from Dave Thomas. Let's code like it's 1969. 